VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gregor Robertson. We're with you twice a week throughout the season for all the best reaction and analysis from some of the best football writers in the business. And joining us in the studio today, it is the sports journalist for The Times, Molly Hudson, and digital sports editor for The Times and The Sunday Times, Tom Clark. Coming up, we'll pick our three teams to fall through the Premier League trapdoor this season and discuss whether football chat should be banned in offices, but thankfully not podcasts. But first to the Etihad. Whatever else happens to him this season, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will end it having won twice at Manchester City. His Manchester United side were 1-0 winners in the second leg of their Carabao Cup semi-final, but it wasn't enough to put them through to face Villa in the final in March as City prevailed 3-2 on aggregate. The game won't have done much, though, for Pep Guardiola's relationship with the City fans and their dwindling attendance at the Etihad. Pep said on Sunday that he was disappointed that only 39,223 fans watched his team beat Fulham 4-0 in the FA Cup. He said he accepted that supporting a Premier League team is not cheap, but repeated his call for fans to attend. This is what he said. He said, of course, I understand it. Never was it my intention to offend them when he's talking about the fans. They are part of us, but what I want is to fight and play as good as possible to see the Etihad Stadium full every single game. Maybe if it is possible to be full Every single game, it will be better. But I'm always grateful for the support, said Guardiola. Now, the 4-0 home victory over Fulham was City's sixth game at home since the 20th of December and the first of those in which they had failed to record an attendance above 50,000. Molly, why do you think they struggle then to sell out the Etihad? Maybe they've just had it too good. (laughs) Um, I think there's... You you look at Manchester City and how well they've performed in, in recent history and... They're just winning all the time, and I think that part of the that excitement of a of a semi final of a final has to dwindle over time. But for some fans that also want to support the women's team, they're mm. being asked to make a choice by again and again really poor fixture scheduling from the FA and from the Premier League, and you know I guess they're both equally to blame to some extent. Um, so last night it was the League Cup final equivalent, uh, semi final equivalent. For Manchester City, um, they were away to Arsenal, so down at Boreham Wood on a Wednesday night. And I know some That's of the a fun trip on a Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah, some of the season ticket holders decided to give up their tickets for the men's game to give up watching that derby to go and support the women's side um, away, knowing that there probably wouldn't be that many fans that made the trip. Um, so I think part of part of the problem is probably scheduling that you're you're making fans choose. Um, and I guess if Guardiola thinks that over 39,000 is disappointing, then 
you know, ask the Manchester City women's manager Nick Cushing when they've, you know, probably got less than 100 fans when they would have had a lot more if the games didn't clash. Mm. Over 39,000 then, as Molly's mentioned, Tom. I mean, that's that's not a bad amount for an FA Cup fourth-round game against the Championship side. Um it was the third highest of the round as well in terms of attendance. But is he right to call out the fans, Pep? I don't I don't really think he is. And we know it's been an issue for him before. I sometimes wonder whether it's a kind of distraction method from him <laughs> sometimes. He's brought it up before in previous seasons. Um, I've got, growing up in Manchester, I've got a lot of friends who are Manchester City supporters. Um, and I actually asked uh, one of them, what he thought about his comments uh, and he's been a City fan his whole life and he said fans don't really need a multi-millionaire making passive aggressive comments about not going <laughs> to the game um, and I mean you know he he loves Guardiola but I, you know you're a brave brave man you can be don't matter who you are even if you're Pep Guardiola don't get on the wrong side of a Manchester mm. Manchester football fan um, and talk about loyalty um, I, you know I, I, I just think as well there's a, there's an interesting generational thing with Manchester City fans, I think. So when I was growing up, they weren't the Manchester City that they are now. And I think when you th- when you think about all the you know ups and downs that they had, dropping down to the equivalent of League One now, Championship, relegation, those fans stuck with them the whole time. You know, I went and watched Lincoln play at Main Road, and it was packed, and that was in the equivalent of League One. And that was one of the reasons I'm pretty sure why they were bought in the first place wasn't it that the investors thought they've got a massive fan base but over time that has changed and new fans come in and I wonder whether actually Pep is talking about those newer fans who maybe haven't got the history and the same breadth of support and over the years who are who are you know probably coming in for the glory hunting a little bit want to support a successful team and they're the ones who are maybe sitting there and just politely clapping and aren't making as much noise and aren't as committed as some of these fans that are going all over the place as Molly said, you know, brilliantly choosing to go to Boreham Wood to support the women's team. Mm. I, I, I just think it's pretty misguided to be to be calling out fans of a team when, as you, as you said, they've had so many fixtures of late um, and they've still managed to get 40,000 for an FA Cup tie. I think he's, you think he's looking in the wrong place, really. I mean, they are, Gregor, a victim of their own success. They're doing well in, in pretty much every competition they're in. OK, Premier League aside... They aren't maybe going to win the title, but they still have a Premier League campaign to fulfil. They obviously have the Champions League. They had the EFL Cup semi-final. They're still in the FA Cup as well. So fans have to make a choice at the end of the day. It costs them money to go to all these games. And that's where perhaps Pep needs to be reminded of how much it costs to go to games. Absolutely, yeah. I just also wonder whether there's something about the, the way Manchester City... I've kind of wiped the floor with opponents week after week for so long now. Mm. It used to, I think, 10, 15 years ago, 70% possession was almost unheard of. It happened something like once in a season. And now it's kind of almost a weekly occurrence for Manchester City. Um, and, you know, does that, that maybe seeps into the kind of consciousness of the, the match day, the match going fans. When they think, you know, we, we watch them run all over the top of Premier League opponents week after week most of them you know season ticket holders then you have to pay to go to a cup match on top of that and if you know you're going to watch them play against a championship team they already roll steamroller over premier league teams is that alluring do you want to it's been and i kind of it ties in with what tom's saying as well i think it's been such a transformation in that club in the last decade from <laughs> the, their, the their history their history the, of yeah. kind of hardship to absolute domination now 
Well, always being in the shadow of Manchester United in yeah. terms of wealth and everything. And look, they were not going to, they wouldn't swap it. No. But there's, mm. it is such a change and it's kind of, I don't know, I don't know whether it would be watching your team dominate to such an extent, there's been such little jeopardy in so many games, would be much fun. There's also, isn't there, these days in the Premier League as well, Alison Rudd wrote a brilliant piece about a year ago about um, football tourism and fans coming from all over the world to watch matches and clubs being able to charge more money to try and sell tickets to people that want a full experience and that are going to pay a load of money in the club shop and that are maybe going to go into the restaurant and have a full match day experience. The cheese room. Exactly, the <laughs> cheese room, you know, the players' tunnel and all that kind of stuff. And that's when you elevate a club to that status, you are you know, neglecting those fans that were there at you know, the Gillingham playoff final mm, mm. to an extent. I think you, you really are. You know, my friend, again, you know, his dad's been a season ticket supporter, season ticket holder, sorry, for years. And, you know, and he said, I've just got to choose. You know, if he wants to be there for those big games, the cup finals and things that Molly talked about. And they, those fans, by the way, are the ones that are always there. You know, I quite often get the train back from Manchester to London, having been up to see family. And I once got on a train before last year's League Cup final and it was absolutely packed. I couldn't even get a seat. And they were all Man City fans who were like talking about back in the day. Mm. And, you know, they've been supporters their whole life and they've paid a 90 quid train ticket. A, probably, I don't even know what a League Cup final ticket costs, 70 quid, 50 mm, quid or something yeah. like that, down to London for the day. So they have to prioritise that. And if you're saying, well, if that means missing a fourth round home tie against Fulham, where I know, as Gregor says, we're going to roll them over. Um, I think I, I don't... I, Fully, I fully understand it, and I, just, I think it, I would just like to come back to Molly's point about the women's game because I think that's something that, you know, to my shame, I do sometimes not think about. Because if you're a supporter of Manchester City, you probably support both. Am I right, Molly? You're probably going to want to support both the women's team and the men's team. Yeah, the actually, Man City have been one of the best clubs in pushing this idea of same club, same city. Um, but I think what's interesting is picking up on that point about you know how the clubs have sort of been used to this success for the women at the minute because the landscape is continually changing and investment is growing from men's sides into the game. Arsenal, Chelsea and City are all very evenly matched. So actually, you go and watch a game and you don't know if City are going to win. You don't know, you know, they're they're not going to have 70% possession. They're not going to steamroller over every team. So I think you're almost going back to the City of old in a way. You have the same faces that you see every week you have a closer connection to the players, certainly, than than you would do some of the stars in the Premier League now. So I think the women's game has parts of that, that and that, that's why they choose to, to go and watch that home and away. I think there's probably a little bit of truth in everything we've all said, but ultimately it'll come down to the cost. I think mm. their ticket prices have, have risen the last three years consecutively. Not like marginally, but they have risen. I'm not sure they needed to do that either. Must just say you're struggling for money. Mm. Um I think that sends out a bad sort of signal to your supporters as well. Just finally on this, does anyone here think there, and there has been some speculating this, and perhaps those people are closer to City than we are, but some are suggesting there's an agenda against Manchester City and Pep Guardiola when it comes to all of these uh, situations when we're critical of Manchester City. Would anyone say that? I think Guardiola... I mean, we're so right to call him out. the own yeah. agenda because he's the one that criticizes <laughs> yeah. the fans for not we're going. We're right to, yeah, to talk I, about this. I think you're right. You know, you, this isn't the only time he's brought this up. He's brought it up a lot of times during his um, time at City. Maybe previously because he was at Bayern Munich and they have a great, great fan base. But I would argue that they probably treat their fans a bit better than Manchester City fans get treated by their club. Um, 
I don't really think there's an agenda going on. I think there's a little bit of discussion that comes with the, a jealousy to do with how much money they've got, mm. and so fan. But it's fans of rival clubs more than anything. You know, Man United fans. You know, you can't even sell out your stadium <laughs> for a Champions League game. Blah blah blah. You don't deserve. To. But I don't think there's any grand agenda. I suppose particularly for me, against Manchester City that more than any other club. Yeah, I think for me, what I don't understand is is why Pep Guardiola is falling into the trap of being the trap of the critics that everyone is saying about the empty hat. He's, he's, he's talking about it. it. Yeah, mm. surely the best thing to do is not mention it and just carry on. And Tom, a lesson for you: do not travel on the train when there's a League Cup final. I know. I can, from Manchester, I, I, I genuinely silly. I, I got the eight o'clock train. Think, but this is the thing: why they're so committed? I got like the earliest train you could get on the Sunday, and I thought I'll definitely be able to get a seat. There won't be. It won't be that full. I ended up sitting in a lug- luggage rack. Oh. Listening to some City fans re- recall the good old days of you know <laughs> play, playing against Derry and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was a, it was a fun journey, but I bet one I won't forget. Yeah, better planning though, maybe next time. <laughs> now Liverpool have beaten all 19 sides they faced in the Premier League this season, thanks to a comfortable 2-0 victory at West Ham, which extends their unbeaten league run to 41 games. West Ham's only saving grace was not conceding more, as a 4-0 or worse scoreline would have seen them drop below Bournemouth into the relegation places on goal difference. So if you have a look at uh, the bottom of the table as things stand, it is Norwich who are bottom. They're on 17 points. And then it's uh, Watford and Bournemouth who make up the other relegation places, both of those on 23 points. West Ham then just outside that uh, by virtue of a better goal difference. And then two points ahead of them, it's Aston Villa and Brighton. So I'm going to be asking you all to let me know who you think will be going down this season. It's an ominous topic, but it is a huge Saturday that we have to look forward to. Uh, it's Bournemouth against Aston Villa, West Ham take on Brighton, Newcastle face Norwich, and it's Watford against Everton. So, let's start. Molly, who are your three teams to get relegated? My three are the three that are down there now. Really? Um, I think <laughs> my reasoning for this is um, Norwich, I think, are pretty much already gone I think the damage was done before Christmas the amount of injuries they had um, we was all saying that we enjoy watching them play and there are moments they they look a really good addition to the Premier League actually but I just think they're too far behind Mm. and then I think the other two that are down there at the moment Bournemouth and Watford at times they look like they can get out of it but I don't think they have that player that can single-handedly drag them out of it you look at Villa and they've got Jack Grealish and you look at West Ham and really the squad they have, they probably shouldn't be down there anyway. And then I think Brighton as a collective and, and Newcastle, are, I think they'll just have enough to stay up. Um, so for me, I can't I can't see Watford or Bournemouth having enough to get out of it. I mean, mm. what, Watford is still down there and they had that massive bounce with the new manager coming in. So it feels as though they needed to really get out of there at this point. Um and that chance may have gone. So let's go to the man that booed Molly's suggestion of the three that uh, are going down. Uh, is there any that you agree with that Molly has has mentioned? Uh, yeah, the booing was a little bit harsh. Sorry, Molly. I got a bit carried away. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think I think Norwich will claw, claw the gap back a little bit, but won't. it's too late for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bournemouth will get out of it. Um, I think... They're, they're not that far away from putting together a good run. Um, I actually, to pick up on Molly's point, she said Aston Villa have got Jack Grealish, but they are one Jack Grealish injury away from being a very, very average side. Um, they've also got 
the Carabao Cup final to focus on quite rightly as they should do and it was brilliant to, they th- they played they played brilliantly against Leicester the other night deserved um deserved to get through they've also got a really really difficult run of games at the end of the season i think they've got seven games um i can't remember them off the top of my head i'll try and find them but to me when i looked at them they only had one winnable game in that which was home to crystal palace um so i i think villa might struggle they've also got they're bringing in lots and lots of different players um that takes time to gel and you know work together i think watford i think watford will probably go down as well but i, I would just say that similarly to the jack Grealish point it's two days left of the transfer window if someone comes in and makes an audacious bid for wilfred zaha crystal palace could be in trouble because they're only seven points above the relegation places at the minute and you lose someone that good um i think you know that throws them back into it i've just got aston villa's fixtures here so i'll be able i think to... roy and brucey have got enough just kind of just to see themselves over the line i think they're i mm-hmm. think they'll be safe i think west ham are the one in, in danger now really but you know this game of the weekend is so big against brighton because after that they go to manchester city and liverpool, and liverpool. um mm. and it just i think they could go down by virtue of the depression enveloping the london stadium it's just remarkable you know the last week or two the kind of the news stories have just been just kept coming with their accounts um 30 million losses 215 million net spend in the last four years on what it's remarkable um, yeah, they've got some good players well we went through this the other day on tuesday and I've, I've picked three really I yeah think. but they've got better players than the players that the other teams have got I think that's true, yeah, but I think the depression will be too powerful. I think the stadium is kind of, it's like seething with discontent at the moment and it, it could spill over again, like we saw. But equally, the last I, time I, I take your point on that, but they are, and I say this with a West Ham fan in the room in producer Max, who's giving me a glare <laughs> across the table, but, you know, they, they are a, they're a bit of a fickle bunch. Two wins and they'll be like, Team Moisey, here we go, everything's all right, you know, we're, we're back again. But where will they be after the next three games? I think they'll be 15th. And you can have me back on in three games uh, when they're 15th. <laughs> we will do. That's nonsense. <laughs> so, no, so, I just did think, you hear I think... who they're playing in the next three games? But, that's, but I, that would be so West Ham to me, to win those games. To beat, well, Brighton, Man City and Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the most West Ham thing ever. I think you need to leave now, Tom. I, know it's, I mean, I know it's hot I'm not saying here because our air conditioning is broken. I'm not saying they're going to. But I'm just saying that at some point between now and the end of the season, West Ham will win some of those games where you go in, they're never going to win that, and they will. They'll be that team that wins those games. They might not be Man City, they might not be Liverpool, but they'll win a couple of those difficult games with David Moyes in charge, with a Mark Noble penalty in the last minute or something, and that'll be enough to get them out. Whereas the other teams in down there won't win those games. And they'll take points off each other. And so I West see what you're saying. I think up. I think West Ham have got a squad that's good enough to stay up, in comparison to the rest of those those teams we've spoken about. But the, I just think the atmosphere and the general sort of rancor around that football club at the moment, you know, and it was you know it was the ten year anniversary of of Golden Sullivan, and you just see you know every little bit that comes out about the amount of money Karen Brady got a big pay rise. Uh, they're earning a few million a year in interest from their loans so it's just like a, a little kind of pet project that keeps them in their lavish lifestyle and the fans want them to sell it and they're never going to sell it because if they wait another few years then they won't have to pay any money back to the to the government who funded the, the stadium 
So it's but gonna... all that stuff is the stuff why they go round and round in this cycle. It's not what will make them go down, I don't no, think. No, but I think that's what will make the atmosphere so hard for them to, to escape. And I think in the next few games, they could be in real trouble. So you, do you think, sorry to keep banging on you about this, but so do you think, having been probably in relegation battles before as a player, if the fans are in, does that make a huge difference? Massively, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, we saw it the last time. Well, yeah, David Moyes did manage to turn it around, but when the atmosphere turns there, they, I think they're ready to turn as well. Are they, Max? Well, they were booing. <laughs> they, they booed, obviously, Manuel Lanzini last night against Liverpool. So they're already beginning to turn against the players. Yeah, there's kind of ironic cheers and stuff. So I think, yeah, I think after the next three games, it could be in big trouble. Molly, you can be arbiter. Go on. Who's right? Who's wrong? Really, we just want to see the Olympic Stadium as a championship ground, do we not? <laughs> <laughs> that wow. Would be, that, would, that would be quite quite funny the rent goes down but I think yeah that's Every true the, bad for the tax man but I mean so do you do you, do you think Bournemouth won't get out of it no I don't see where the kind of the ray of light is coming from for them I just think um, they're not scoring enough goals I think only Watford have scored fewer and Watford have had the uplift now since you know their start of their season was so bad so um, I can see Watford surviving rather than Bournemouth but I think Bournemouth like They've got a big couple of games coming up. They've got Villa at home, Sheffield United away, Burnley away, and then Chelsea at home. I wouldn't be surprised if they put a little run together, Eddie Howe wise. It's like West Ham. Stay sharp. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so, I'm honestly right. Fine. We'll, we'll they could happen. actually be in fifteenth. <laughs> so, so you, I've converted you on Bournemouth, but not on West Ham, is what you're saying, Molly. This could be another record to play back to Tom in a couple of weeks' time. Maybe. I, look, all right, I said Man United would beat Wolves and they did a few weeks ago, so I was right about that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, so just to confirm, your bottom three are, Molly, yours are the three that are down there at the moment, so Norwich, Watford and Bournemouth. Tom, what Norwich, were you? Norwich, Watford, Aston Villa. Aston Villa. And you're swapping... Watford, Watford for, for West, Ham. West Ham. Right, well, we will see. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Christian Eriksen came off the bench to make his Inter Milan debut as Antonio Conte's men made it through to the semi-finals of the Coppa Italia on Wednesday. The Danish star completed his £17.5 million move from Tottenham on Tuesday and was immediately included in the squad to face Fiorentina. Eriksen began the game on the bench but replaced Manchester United flop Alexis Sanchez after 66 minutes as Inter earned a hard 4-2-1 victory at the San Siro. So Eriksen's move ends his six and a half year spell at Spurs. Gregor, how would we sum up his time in North London? I think he's, his career at Spurs kind of largely followed the, the arc that Spurs have been on in the last six or seven years. When you think back to when he arrived, I think it was Villas, Villas Boas and then Tim Sherwood in charge. And that was a time when Josie Mourinho's kind of land of the Giants, Chelsea, were still still winning the Premier League. And he was this kind of little dainty, nimble, nimble-footed playmaker. He wasn't really, he didn't make an immediate impact. He was in and out of the team. And then I think when Pochettino came, it transformed everything. And um, he saw, I think he was one of the best players in the Premier League for probably two years. He got double figures in both goals and assists in all but one of his six seasons, full, six full seasons in the Premier League. He got 23 assists in the season that they nearly won the, the Premier League. Um and then I think in the last 12 months, again, like Spurs and their kind of decline and the feeling of like apathy and the need for sort of change and regeneration, he, he was very much one of the, one of the characters and who kind of mirrored that. He, he looked disinterested in the last six months or so. He wanted to leave in the summer, possibly even 12 months ago. Um, and I think probably that the last 12 months is what, is what what's cost him I moved to a kind of real European elite club. You know, Inter Milan, a huge club, but they've not been in the Champions League knockout stages for a long time, and they're not Real Madrid, who kind of seemed to have his heart set on for a long time. So I think probably um, the last 12 months has cost him a bit of a better move. But he's at his peak, he was one of the best players in the Premier League. It's, it's strange, you're right. As soon as it sort of became aware that he wanted to move on, his every, everything sort of dipped yeah. with Christian Eriksen. But how would we remember him, do you think, Molly, in his time at, at Tottenham and in the Premier League? Well, I think it's interesting that the fans now probably will remember those last 12 months and what he's become. But actually what I think is interesting is the fact that Mourinho walks through the door, middle of the season, looks around the dressing room and he's one of his first jobs was to speak to Eriksen and make sure that he played for him until he knew he was going to be sold. So I think... Actually, that maybe mirrors the decline of Tottenham in the fact that a Christian Eriksen that probably wasn't at the very best of his ability or the peak of his career, Mourinho still felt was necessary a lot of the time in the starting eleven or to rescue a game. He was still needed and he was still the one he looked to. So I think maybe the Spurs fans that are looking at him now on the basis of this 12 months will probably regret that when actually he isn't there whatever they thought about him to... I mean, he just had a wonderful final ball, didn't he? The the delivery, the things he could do with the ball were, as Gregor said, up there with the very best in the Premier League in his peak. So I think he's probably more important to Tottenham than people realise now off the basis of that 12 months where he's kind of been wanting to leave. Mm. I think he benefited as well from the sort of development of the Premier League in that time as well. There's a lot more passes played and those, as Molly was saying, the 
he's a master of finding those little pockets of space between the lines, delivering those crosses that are almost undefendable that you see De Bruyne doing all the time now. Yeah, and for that, a player like Harry Kane in his absolutely, prime yes, the they formed a well. brilliant relationship. So I think the sort of the way the Premier League's developed, he kind of he was a big part of that as well. Tom, are you surprised in any way that after the suggestions that he could have gone to Real Madrid, say twelve months ago, he's ended up at Inter Milan, and that maybe another Premier League club didn't think about coming in for him? No, I'm not really on. I mean, I feel a bit sorry for him in the sense that Tottenham fans are starting to kind of have a bit of a revisionism in terms of how they're remembering him. You know, I saw even this morning on Twitter, a Tottenham fan posted a video of, I think it was like Ericsson's first touch for Inter Milan and it was a kind of mishit free kick which went straight into the wall and it was like, ha-ha, you know, we've got rid of a dud. He's definitely better than that. But I'm not surprised that he's ended up at Inter Milan, really. I don't think... I think it was a perfect marriage and of time and time with Pochettino and with Harry Kane and Deli Ali. I think if you, you know, Gregor, you talked about the teams that have kind of changed the Premier League and things. Would he have got in a City team? No. At, now, at any point in the last few years. I don't know. Maybe at his peak. I think those two seasons he had. Uh... Instead of De Bruyne. No, Give over. Not, no. <laughs> <laughs> or David Silva, exactly. No, of course. Or would not, he no. get in the Liverpool team? Of the last two years, no, I don't think he's sort of dynamic enough. He, yeah, he kind of. That's there's always I, been that little other yeah. sort of inkling about whether he, when it kind of, when it gets tough, whether he's kind of he can really kind of put his foot in and stuff like that. That's a, a very bit British. like Juan Mata. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, in, in the yeah. Mata had those couple of seasons. That's a good point, actually. You know, the couple of seasons at Chelsea where he was like amazing, and then actually not. I just think he's he's a, he's a he's a very good player. He's the eight out of ten, I think, but I don't think he's nine or ten. Am I wrong? Greg, go on. I think in those two seasons, I mean, come on, 23 assists and I think he was had a hand in like 45 goals that Yeah, season, but that was when on his own. everything was coming through him. So you're going to get a lot of assists if you're playing that final ball every time. I looked up his assists as well and when you break assists down into assists from open play and set pieces, he's very high for set pieces, so corners, free kicks. That's ironic given that Spurs fans had this well, exactly. little thing about him never never missing the front post. Yeah. <laughs> the first defender. But actually for run open play, he was much for it, that split was not as, you know. Okay. So that I, yeah, I think he's he's in the right place at Inter Milan for me. Well, obviously he joins a Premier League exodus at the San Siro then. He joins Alexis Sanchez, Romelu Lukaku, Victor Moses and Ashley Young at uh, Inter Milan, Antonio Conte's Inter Milan. And if we think back to when he joined the Premier League, that was back in 2013. He was brought along with six other players with the £85 million generated from the sale of Gareth Bale to Real Madrid. Paulinho, Christian Eriksen, uh, Roberto Soldado, Nasser Chadli, Etienne Capu, Vlad Kirikesh and Eric Lamella were the players that came in. And it's only Lamella that remains at Spurs. When you think about the big money move that Bale made and that Spurs earned from that transfer... Can we actually say that, really, it was wasted when you think about all those players that were brought in? Tom? Um, I I don't think it was wasted, no. I mean, Ericsson was very good for them. As I said, I wasn't being critical of him previously. I just don't think he's a world-class player. Um, I actually really rate Eric Lamella. I think he's a really good player. And I think on his day, he can actually be, you know, that level 8 out of 10 match winner that I think Ericsson was. And I mean... You know, I think it's all very funny to joke about those players that they brought in, but but some of them, you know, had, had potential. You know, Paulinho went yeah. on and played for Barcelona for yeah. for eighteen months and was a bit of a game changing signing. Um, 
for them for a very short period of time. Now, but I, did it work at Tottenham? No, it didn't. But I wonder whether if those players had been combined with Pochettino when he first came in and they all had had that same uplift and good man management for that same period of time, whether some of the players like Capoue, Paulinho might have been a bit better for Tottenham over the years. I mean, you know, there's no doubting that maybe Soldado was a complete dud, but... <laughs> And let's also let's look at that number there, eighty-five million. That's you know, talk about that nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> I know that inflation has been a nonsense in the Premier League, but in a grand scheme of things, that's not much money. So if they've had two, maybe three out of them, out of those players who were in any way a success, then it's yeah. not bad business actually these days. Okay, finally, chat about football in the workplace should be curtailed, a management body has warned. Chartered Management Institute head Anne Frank said sports banter can exclude women and lead to laddish behaviour. As Frank is concerned that discussing football and, for example, the merits of VAR can disproportionately exclude women and divide offices. Nevertheless, Ms Frank does not think sports chatter should be banned altogether, it just should be moderated. Goodness me. Well... I'm guessing in the uh, Times office, it is all all football, is it not? Gregor, what do you think? I think I'm the wrong person to ask. I've worked in the office for a half a day, two days a week for <laughs> <Yes>. six months. <laughs> so I've, uh, He's quite a I've, quiet lad when he's out I've of been, the podcast, uh, <laughs> actually. He keeps his head down. I get my head down and do, do my work. Changing rooms, I could probably reflect upon. Um, and they'd be all the same things as a lot of people I would guess and things like football would dominate the, the conversation football yeah but then whatever the daftest reality tv program of the, t- oh, the moment yeah. was i think that's the irony of this place. and that actually on the sports desk you know in the editing team we don't actually talk about obviously when we're talking about in a work context we do but actually when we're chatting with you know talking about kids or school holidays or you know cinema etc mm, etc mm. actually talking about anything else Maybe not Love Island like Greg clearly <laughs> likes to do. But. The, other, the other thing that was, it was uh, at every single change room I was in, rumours. Rumours were like... Like transfer rumours? No, no, no. Oh. Just like you oh. could walk down the hall and see the manager and if you looked in a bad mood, someone would come in oh. and say, Gaffer's in a bad mood today. And it would be like, it would spread like wildfire. Uh. Someone spiked his <laughs> or like, Or you would hear what you were doing for <gasps> training that day and you'd hear you were doing running, had a running session. It would spread like wildfire. So... <gasps> Half the time it was nonsense. Like one person just said something. And did you said, ever start one? No comment. Gregor, you <laughs> definitely did. did. You did. Um, okay, so I mean, I don't have a problem with talking football. I don't think that's an no. issue really. But aside from that, then, if there was one topic you would have banned from office chat, what would it be, Molly? Without meaning to. Um make the whole argument worse for women because I was literally rolling my eyes as I heard that statement. Oh, no. um, cricket and rugby just <gasps> need Oof. to go. Okay, really. okay. Um, Molly ensuring that she only covers football for the yeah. rest of yeah. her career. Yeah, quite clever, really. Yeah, like thinking. Yeah. Yeah. thinking ahead. I hope our um, colleagues on the Rook podcast aren't listening. <laughs> but I also think if you... If this... Anne... Is discussing um, how women feel about football chat. Very dismissive. <laughs> <laughs> this then, then, I think equally as annoying is men that talk about football to women in a patronising, explaining way. Yes. That, Can you just clarify I mean, that, that you don't to... mean your current colleagues sat in the room with you? <laughs> that needs to go. Really, doesn't it? Hasn't she hasn't clarified. <laughs> I've not Moving clarified. on. Oh, Molly. Oh. No, I'm joking. Cutting. 
Um, but yeah, I think that is just as annoying as. Mm. And also, like, not every man cares about football. I mean, in our office, they probably do. But in general life. Tom, is there anything you would ban? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not a massive fan of the word banter. And that gets, you know, thrown <laughs> yeah, around a little. Yeah, a, a lot. But I'm actually going to go a bit more left field. Um, and that's based on, last night I went to see the film 1917. Yes, I've seen, seen that. Yeah. yeah, very powerful. Um, uh, now, I've, I've got a bit of a squiffy disposition. Um, there's a scene in that film in which um there's a you know fairly graphic scene of something not very nice happening and they dwell on it for a little bit too long and i was sat in the cinema last night in in the odeon in holloway and they've just done it up by the way it's really lovely nice nice big seats (laughs) nice plug right yeah exactly hopefully get some free tickets um but i suddenly realized i was going to faint and pass out and uh, I realised I realised I, realized I, I couldn't get anywhere couldn't get out so okay. I was like just pounded the popcorn to my girlfriend and kind of settled in and passed out and so did you pass out? yeah fainted in the cinema for about 30 seconds this is very dramatic I know where yeah. are you going with this though? I, I want to hear the punch so in the band. the reason is that I realised so basically this gory scene happened and it wasn't the gory scene that made me pass out it was the fact that the characters then talk about it in detail for the next 10 to 20 seconds I mean, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say it. Am I allowed to talk about what actually happens? Spoilers. I can't even remember what gory scene he's It's the bit where the lad gets stabbed. Oh, yes. That didn't bother me. They then talk about it between the two of them with, like, you know, blood pouring out of him. And that was a bit that set me off. So I would ban discussions about any medical procedures because (laughs) that is what sets me off like nothing else. And I will just pass out at my desk. So if we could all... So it's just for your own health. If my colleagues are listening... If you could keep away from me when you're talking about medical procedures, the, or, desk, the walking wounded, doesn't it? <laughs> you'd be surprised, Gregor, how many times you know operations come okay. up and so things like that. Good job, you're not health correspondent then. I yes, I knew which. I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> oh my goodness! Right, no one saw that coming with the no, story that no, you were telling us. No, I have niche. to say, yeah. uh, Gregor, did we ask you what? Did, what was I'm, you... I'm, I'm seeing. I'm going for rumours. That's really that was it for me. And I, I don't know whether that's the case. Is there rumours in the Times desk? Is there a little rumour mill? Ah, yeah, we've said a few things about you in I our thought time. so, yeah. yeah. I thought that would be true. Yeah. So rumours for me, yeah. Because, yeah. as I've explained... Even though you start nonsense. them sometimes. Well, yeah, that's good fun. <laughs> You've been stung by a bad one, haven't you? There's something <laughs> you're not telling us. I've seen them all. Oh, come oh, on. Boo. You might as well let us into a little secret. <laughs> come on, what's the worst rumour you've started? Or the tamest rumour? I can't, just... honestly, I can't. Gregor, don't be a letdown. We've just a... heard this very long-winded story I from Tom. A... I, spoke about I thought it was quite snappy. I don't know what I've heard enough. I can't divulge anymore. Oh, okay. All right. Well, if I had my way, it would actually be, and it's probably a bit unfair because people like to have switch-off TV programmes, but things like Love Island, I just can't bear it. Yeah. I just find or, it so tedious. Or I'm a Celebrity, oh, the younger one. Just, just that. Do you, ever fake, do you ever fake it, though? Do you ever, like, when people go in What's and go, thing, you know, fake, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I saw that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was mad, wasn't it? I can't believe yeah, they kicked them out. Me knowing what 1917 film was. It, oh, so you've not seen it? don't even know what it is. Oh, well, I've just slightly ruined it for film. you then. Actually, that bit happens near the start. You can still go and see it. It's very good. Okay, well, that is it for now. Many thanks to our guests today, Tom Clark and Molly Hudson. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online on your smartphone or tablet. It is just a pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information and we'll be back on Monday.
The Game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers, airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.